Josh, I'm part of the leadership team. It's nice to have you with us. If you're not a visitor, it's lovely to see you. Hope you've had a nice week. Hope you've enjoyed the snow. It was a nice day on a Saturday, which is quite rare, I find. So it's snowy and blue skies. Normally that happens like on a Wednesday when you're at work or something. So dream. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, just before we get into our uh, continuing our series in Genesis, uh, I'm going to be going to Mexico on Tuesday. Whoop. Uh, which is lovely, uh, and I just wanted to just communicate with you as a church, those at the prayer meeting on Friday would have heard about it, uh, but I, I'm going to be serving churches over there, so it's going to be a gathering of leaders from around Mexico uh, and, and the, the Americas, uh, and we're going to go and have a time of relationship building, I mean eating fajitas, I assume, and drinking tequila, <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, but we're going to spend time with each other. Uh, and then we're going to have times of worship, times of enjoying God's presence, times of study. Uh, and so I'm going to be going, but it's really important that we understand that it's not just me going, but actually as a church that we go together. Uh, we, we love Gothenburg. Um, we're here. We're living in this city. Uh, and we love this city, as Albin started. Love God, love Gothenburg. And we want to see a church established here. But we also love the nations. And it's great to have so many nations with us. Uh, just looking out, so many different nations represented. Uh, and that, that's our heart, isn't it? That actually God isn't just a God for Gothenburg. He's a God of the nations. Um, and so together we go to Mexico. And it's, it's an exciting moment for us as a church, actually, just to start seeing what, what, what will God have us do uh, that goes from Gothenburg into, into the nations. So we'd really appreciate your prayer uh, for a safe journey. I don't like flying. I don't think you should be that high up in the sky in such a thin metal object, but there we go, traveling at however many kilometers per hour, uh, but um, pray for that, but also just really pray that we have a good time together, uh, Christ Central Mexico, there's a bunch of churches there, there's been a bit of a change in leadership, uh, so it's a bit of a new stage of, of Christ Central in Mexico, uh, and so just, let's just pray that there's a great time experiencing the presence of God, um, yeah, being encouraged together, so that's what I'm going to be doing, that's what we're going to be doing as a church this week, um, enjoying relationship, enjoying God's presence together, hopefully. And that has been God's desire. What we worshipped and enjoyed this morning, uh, what we spoke about during worship, about being a people who know Jesus, being a people who dwell with Jesus in his presence, is really God's desire. God's aim is that he will fill the whole earth with his glory with his presence. That is his desire, that he would dwell with his people. John writes uh, in Revelation, I'm going to read a bit of Revelation. Uh, you, it's going to be on the screen behind, so don't worry about your Bibles. Uh, but this is what John writes in this amazing vision in Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Hallelujah. Amazing. He who has seat, was seated on the throne said this, I am making everything new. 
Then he said, write this down for these words. They're trustworthy. These words are true. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at every gate. On the gate were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Then... The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great streets of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city." and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign with him forever and ever and ever. That is the word of God. That is our future. Amen. It's amazing. It really is amazing. From the beginning, Eden, as we've been looking at this series... The Garden of Eden was not meant to be static. It was not meant to stay in one place. It was heading somewhere. There was a trajectory of Eden. There was a plan. God had planned. He creates. He fills with his image bearers. He then calls us to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the whole earth, because there is a trajectory to Eden. Eden is going somewhere there is a plan, and where it is going is what we have just read there. That is the end game. That is the end story. Everything, creation, mankind, ruling and reigning, creating, kings and queens, it's all going somewhere. It's all part of God's big picture. It's all part of God's big plan, and his plan is this, to dwell with us. That's where it's going. That's where it's going. That's where everything is going, and we have this interesting scripture in Revelation 21, which has got a whole bunch of confusing things and streets of gold and, and shiny things and thick things and square things, and you sort of think, what is kind of going on there? John is seeing a future reality, new heavens, new earth, and he sees it, and it's a city. 
which is quite strange, really. Now, some of us maybe love the city. That's great. Fika, shopping. Others of us like going out into nature, and we're thinking, okay, is the new heavens and the new earth, is that kind of, that's the end game, just like a massive city? Well, to understand what, what John is getting at, we need to understand the temple, which is why I've brought the, my handy whiteboard with me. See, the temple is this place where heaven meets earth. It is this place where God dwells with his people, where the presence of God, where heaven comes and invades earth. It's not necessarily a physical temple building, as impressive as the temple was. So in Jesus' day, in the days before, in the Old Testament, the, te- the temple, it was an impressive place. It looked impressive. They, they would say that as the morning sun rose, that the gold would just shimmer, and it would almost be blinding. In fact, you hadn't seen beauty until you'd seen the temple. That was what they would say. This is an incredibly impressive physical building, but that is not the point of the temple. The temple is a place where God dwells. It's a place where heaven invades earth. And the first temple we read about is not King Solomon's temple, or not the tabernacle as it goes through the desert, Moses' tabernacle. If you've got your Bibles, let's open them to Genesis. Um, We're going to read from chapter 2 and verse 8. Uh, And it says this, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Does that ring a bell? In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden, again, does that ring a bell? from Eden, from where it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first, Pishon, second, Gihon, third, Tigris, fourth, Euphrates. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man these haunting words, Where are you? As he, verse 8, was walking in the garden. Wow. God's big story is that God wants to dwell with man. That God wants to be with man. And so we read this beautiful description of God being with man. That he walks with them in the garden. And we read this, this is a theme throughout the Old Testament when God speaks to David, he says, build me a house to dwell. Build me a place to dwell because I have been walking, I have been moving in the desert. We can read that in 2 Samuel 7. I've been, I've been in the tab, I've been walking with you, your people. Build me now a house to dwell. Leviticus 24, sorry, 26, Deuteronomy 24 are two other examples of God walking with his people. God walked with the Israelites. He walked with his people. And this word walk 
that we see in Samuel, that we see in Deuteronomy, that we see in Leviticus, describing God's presence with his people is exactly the same word that we see in Genesis. God walks in Eden. God walks with his people in Eden. Eden was a temple. It was the dwelling place of God. And as we read that scripture, Eden is full of temple imagery. And so when we look at Solomon's temple, when we look at the tabernacle, these aren't the first places that God dwelled in his presence. Eden was the first temple. So we can almost write, like, if, if you like, open up the Bible, in the beginning was God, yep, absolutely, in the beginning was the temple, the place, Eden, where God dwelt amongst man. It's amazing. And there's so many similarities between Eden and the temple. Adam, man, chosen, created to cultivate and keep. Priests in the temple, they were challenged with serving and guarding the temple. It's the same, it's the same idea. So what we see is that Adam was the first priest. The tree of life that we meet in Eden representing the, 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 in the temple the lampstand Again, these similar images. Even in the temple, you'd have had all these carvings of fruit, and it looked like Eden, the temple in Eden. The entrance of Eden was the same as the entrance of the temple to the east, whatever direction that is now. Eden was the place of the presence of God. It was a place where God dwelt. And that's what makes the fall so tragic. Because sin separates us from God. Separates us from God's presence. That's what sin does. Separates us from God. And so it's just tragic just imagining Adam and Eve being told, you can't come back. You're now no longer welcome in my presence. Like, I get stressed when I get a stain on a new t-shirt. Guaranteed, new t-shirt on, guaranteed to get a bit of curry on it the first meal I have. I get stressed about that. Imagine turning back and seeing the presence of God and there's this separation marked with angels and swords and and you can no longer access my presence, God says. Imagine the regret as sin separates man. But we know that God wasn't done because his intention is to dwell. His intention is to be with man. And so not thwarted by Sin, not thwarted by the decision of man, God dwells and he dwells in the tabernacle with Moses. And you see these incredible stories of the glory filling the temple. He dwells in the temple as well. And, and, and Israel's story is this story of ups and downs. And we read amazing, amazing moments of joy as God's glory, the fire comes down in the temple and everyone's amazed. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His love endures forever as they realize God's presence is amongst us once again, like Eden. He walks with us. And then we read incredibly tragic scriptures like Ezekiel 10. His glory departed. The one thing that set them apart, glory gone. Like it's, it's tragic. And there's this up and down kind of story of Israel, how they're faithful and they're unfaithful and sin separates them and God says, you know, pulls them back and, and the glory departs the temple. It's 
heartbreaking. But all the time, they're, they're like the, the Old Testament beats with a drum. One day. One day there'll be something else. One day something's coming. Not bound to a tabernacle, a tent, not bound to a temple, not bound to a garden. One day something's coming. And then silence. Hundreds of years of silence until the cry of a baby. Born in Bethlehem. One who John said, the word became flesh. Jesus, God, becomes flesh. And what does he do? John chapter 1. Dwells amongst us. Literally, he tabernacles. He puts up his tent. The glory of God back in the temple. Literally, Jesus goes into the temple as a baby. It's the glory of God back in the temple. It's amazing. We're allowed to get a bit excited about that. Jesus comes to earth and the glory of God His presence dwells. He tabernacles. He literally, I think the message version says this, pitched his tent. It's great. That's what God, he pitches his tent in a small town to some confused parents. The glory of God, the presence of God. And so Jesus is able to say things like, destroy this temple and I will build it in three days. And and everyone's looking at him thinking, you're crazy. You cannot destroy this temple and build it in three days. It is a work of art. I'm not talking about the temple. I am the temple. He saw himself as the embodiment of the temple, the place where God's spirit rests, the presence of God dwelling among people. He was the temple. Once again, people could walk with God in the cool of the day. Once again, the presence of God, just walking amongst his people, fishing, talking, sitting on a mountain, sleeping. The presence of God is here. Jesus, the word, became flesh. It's incredible. But limited. Eden, the tabernacle, the temple, even Jesus, limited in so much as he was only available to certain people in certain places, at a certain time. The presence of God, limited in that way. But Jesus beats like a drum. Something's coming. Something's coming. It's better that I go. Not sure it is, Jesus. It's better that I go. Because I'm going to send with me, I'm going to send as I go, the helper. So through Jesus' death, I was just seeing this curtain in setup, kind of like closing. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, the temple curtain is torn in two from top to bottom. Nothing that no man could do. Something God does, tears it from top to bottom. The temple curtain that sort of separated us from the presence of God, torn in two. That's a hard word to say. God's presence made accessible. Not because of what we have done. And so I think someone prayed that like the whole theme this morning is nothing to do with what we have done. It's because Jesus tears this thick curtain from top to bottom so that we could enter. So this sin that separates us could be done away with. 
so that we could receive and be part of the glory of God, so that we could enter in to the presence of God, made accessible, God's presence. Fast forward a bit of time to an upper room, a bunch of confused men and women. What are we going to do? Let's pray. It's always a good start. When you're confused, pray. It's a good bit of advice there. And then suddenly, a rushing wind, fire, falling on everyone. Wow. Everyone, tongues of fire, landing on the head. What does that remind us of? 2 Chronicles 7, as the temple, as, as the glory of God fills the temple, a rush a fire comes down. The, old, the Israelites say, wow, God is here, the presence of God, this massive fire. Suddenly, it's not just in one place, it's on everyone's head. The glory of God, his presence that was represented in the fire in the Old Testament, suddenly rests on every believer in that upper room. What's happening? Every believer is becoming a mini temple. The presence of God is resting on every believer. 120 or so, every believer, many temples. And so Paul, in 1 Corinthians, asks this shocking question. And for us, it's maybe not as shocking as it would have been for a Jew, someone who understands the vital importance of the temple in Israel's history. Paul says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit lives in you. Wow. That's amazing. What Paul says to a church in Corinth, which is an amazing book, but it wasn't a perfect church. Let me tell you that. There was issues. What does he say to that church that has got some big issues? You're God's temple. God's spirit lives in you. Wow. That's amazing. That's got to give us hope. Friends, that's amazing. And so part of us at Good First, part of our DNA, our sort of values, if you like, is that we are a people that enjoy the presence of God. We're we're, we're a people who value being a dwelling place. Being a people who just enjoy his presence. Why is that? Is that because it's like the hobby horse of the eldership team, that, oh, that's, that's, that's the one that we'll take. No, it's because you can trace right back to the garden the big story of Scripture that God wants to dwell, that God wants a people to dwell with. And that's why us, as good first, value being a people where God dwells. It's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. It's what it's all about. Why did Jesus come? Because sin separated us. So we could draw, he could draw us back. Friends, if you don't know Jesus this morning, don't bother trying to get your life fixed and sorted. It's just not going to work. You're building your house on sand. It's going to go. Accept Jesus. Realize that Jesus, through his perfect life, his perfect death. He made a way so that you could be loved and accepted and welcomed into the presence of God. Loved. Child. That's the gospel. 
Greg Beale says this, our task as the covenant community, the church, is to be God's temple, so filled with his glorious presence that we expand and fill the earth. Often, how... How are we going to expand and fill the earth? How are we going to be, how are we going to see breakthrough? Hearing a little bit about breakthrough. How are we going to see that? By being a people of the presence of God. That's it. I'm convinced by it. By being a people where the presence of God dwells. Our task as a church, so filled with his glorious presence, is that we expand and fill the earth until God finally accomplishes the goal completely at the end of time. That's our calling. That's it. But what a calling it is. As we go from here, our call, God calls us to expand and see his presence touch all sorts of different places, wherever we are. So God creates. He fills with his image bearers, which again is another, it's another sign of the temple. Isn't it? Temples often would have idols. God puts in his temple his idol, his image, his selen, his the, the ones that look like him. And he says, fruitful, be fruitful. He says, be, he says, multiply. He says, rule and reign. He says, be kings and queens over what I have created because you are in my image. And it is all about expanding and filling the earth with his presence until Christ comes and makes all things new. What a calling. Isn't that amazing? That's like, we look around we say, this is, okay, this is, is it, this is good fest. What, what are we doing here? Sunday morning, 10.30 to 12.30, approximately. Those over-ish. What are we doing? We're expanding the kingdom of God, his presence, touching, until one day God makes everything new. New heavens and new earth. Isn't that an amazing calling? What has God called us up into? It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's something worth getting excited about. Something worth being happy, folks. In a... Ah, oh, it's not so dull today. It's actually quite bright. But generally, quite dull. Actually, God has called us to something amazing. He really has. It's beautiful. So Revelation 21, what's that all about? The streets, the walls, the squareness, the tree, the river. It's temple language. It's all temple language. What happens? I hadn't planned this, so I don't know how it goes. We get the middle bit. New creation, the temple takes over the new creation. The whole of creation is the temple of God. We are his dwelling place. And so what God set out to do in the garden finds its completion as God fills the heavens and the earth with his presence and establishes his dwelling place. Wow. Wow where we're heading and he can say this the dwelling place of God is with man and breathe out and enjoy God that's it what a future reality what a hope we have so it's not all about just living in a city it's about the temple of God coming and filling the cosmos with his presence so what does that have to do with us today apart from give us if you ask me incredible hope well, a couple of things I want to land with. Uh, firstly, we carry God's presence individually. And I've touched a little bit on this. Jobin touched a bit on this last week about being fruitful 
and multiplying. But as, as we become sort of like mini portable temples, we, we extend and we, and, we, and we enter into places with the presence of God. Schools, it's great to have the youth in. Schools, workplaces, gyms, coffee shops. Suddenly we go in to the room and the presence of God is there. As we carry, as we're his temples, we carry his presence. His, his fire rests upon us. And one real practical thing for me is that that brings incredible confidence. Because I don't know how you feel, but perhaps you don't feel up to much. Perhaps you don't feel very impressive. Perhaps you look around the room and you think, ah, not that impressive. Perhaps in some cases you feel confident. In other places you feel just really, ah, I've got nothing to say. I've got nothing to give. I can tell you, you do. Because you're a presence carrier. You carry the presence of God. You're a mini temple. And so where you go, you, you bring the presence of God. That's incredible. That is more than enough. You don't need to have loads of skills. Look a certain way. Do a certain thing. You're a mini temple. Incredible confidence. You bring God's presence with you. And it's important to say, with that, like we have a responsibility. Don't, like, don't mess about with sin. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We've been bought with a price. And so we have a responsibility. So we're God's temple individually. Secondly, which maybe sounds a bit paradoxical, but we carry God's presence corporately. Just don't shake your head. (laughs) Bye, Fran. Awkward. Uh, We carry God's presence corporately. What that means is that the presence of God that was in the garden, in the tent, in the temple, is now with us as a church. We are his temple, together corporately. And Paul is able to say in Ephesians 2, that, yeah, we're growing into a holy temple. That's what we are. That we are being built together as a dwell- into a dwelling place of God. That's Ephesians 2. That's what the church is all about. And so the beginning of Acts, you've got the Holy of Holies, if you like, the place where God dwells in an upper room. That's where the Holy of Holies was. That's where the presence of God was as the fire comes down. And then by the end of Acts, spoiler alert, because we're probably going to get onto Acts at some point, it's gone to Rome, it's gone to the ends of the earth as the glory of God, as the presence of God goes into cities and churches. And today, it's Mexico, Australia, Sweden, India, Brazil, the glory of God, the church is everywhere, it's worldwide. Jesus is building his church. And his church is a temple for him to dwell in. And so there's something unique that happens when we come together. As individually, all the mini temples come together. We become a place of the dwelling place of God together. And so take church, take the gathering seriously. It's an important priority in our lives. It's not just, okay, I've not got any plans this weekend. I'll come along on a Sunday. It's bad weather. 
You know, I've got loads of energy on a Wednesday and I'm going to go to a small group. No, there is something unique that happens when we join in a small group, in a bigger setting, on a prayer meeting, whatever it is, as we together, we are being built into his dwelling place, his temple, the place where he dwells. It's this prophetic foretaste, if you like, of one day, the whole cosmos being his dwelling place. Greg Beale says this, just as plants cannot flourish without adequate sunlight, the church will not flourish without remaining in the light of God's tabernacling presence. I'm going to read that again. Just as plants cannot flourish without sunlight, the church will not flourish without remaining in the light of God's tabernacling presence. I think there's a danger for us as a church, as the church, to be too focused on cultural relevance, to be too focused on fitting in, to be too focused on just doing things right that we miss what it's all about, being a people of the presence of God. By being, about being a people where God dwells. It's great to do things right. Absolutely. It's great to do things well. We talk about that in different, in different settings. But if we do that and we forget what it's all about, then there's a real danger for us. As a, as a, as a flower can't grow without the sun. We won't expand. We won't see breakthrough if we forget it's all about the presence of God. What marked out Eden, the tabernacle, the temple, Jesus, the upper room, the future reality, what makes us unique today is that we are a people of the presence of God. We're a people where God dwells. It's who we are. That's what makes us different. And so friends, have hope, have faith. Believe God. Why? Because we're brilliant and special? No. Because he dwells amongst us. We can't expect breakthrough alone. The church is in a bit of a sad state. Some of the newspaper articles you can read about Swedish church, about the worldwide church. There's some, some nations, God's really on the move, it's amazing. Other nations, it's like, oh, what's going on? I believe to see breakthrough in nations where church is on the decline, God is looking for people who will prioritize his presence. We'll say we're people of the presence of God dwell amongst us. We're your temple. Can I invite the band up, please? We're going uh, to do a couple of things. I started at 29 minutes past 11 today uh, so that we'd have a little bit of time for response. And what I'd like to do uh, is, first of all, we're going to sing a song together. Uh, I was tempted to say, let's just sing a song about praying for the Spirit to come on us. Uh, but I actually thought, you know what? Being a place of the dwelling place of God, enjoying the presence of God, it's about just enjoying him. It's about looking at him. I love my wife. I enjoy spending time with her. I enjoy talking to her. I enjoy looking at her. And we're just going to worship, and we're just going to look at God. We're just going to sing a song. And so I want to encourage you, as we do that, just enjoy God. He's here. He's amongst us right now.
We're going to do that. And then afterwards, we're going to pray for each other. And we're going to do something slightly different. Uh, I'm going to, we don't normally do this, but I'm going to, that's why I'm giving you the, uh, the heads up. What I'm going to ask is for people, if you would like to be someone who's filled with the Spirit, who, who received the Spirit for a fresh, fresh time, I'm going to invite you, and I'll explain a little bit more in a minute about that, but I'm going to invite you to the front. And small group leaders, there'll be others who can pray, but we're going to make a physical declaration. No, I want to be, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to be a presence carrier. I want to be someone who dwells. It's not that there's anything holy here. I just think it's, sometimes it's important to make a physical statement. Um, but, band, if you can start playing, uh, and we're going to stand up. So as I said, first of all, we're just going to enjoy God. We're going to sing a song about his holiness. And let's just, let's just fix our eyes on him.